Australian Muscle Car Magazine is one of the most respected voices in motoring media. There's been over 140 issues and thousands of stories published in the last 22 years, from the amazing muscle car machines of the past to the present and the stars that steered and built them. AMC has something for everyone. Delve into the heritage of homegrown high performance now at musclecarmag.com.au. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. G'day everybody, Aaron Noonan here. Welcome along, it's the V8 Sleuth Podcast, powered by Repco for another week. In fact, this is the last week, the final episode of 2022. And my guest on the podcast this week is the same guest as last week, because we had such a long chat, we've put in two parts. Last week was part one of the Gold Coast's Charlie O'Brien, and this week is part two. On part two, we talk about all sorts of stuff. We talk about NASCAR racing, both in Australia on the Calder Park Thunderdome and the streets of Surface Paradise, as well as an ill-fated attempt at NASCAR in the United States. We talk about the Indy NASCAR race that his mate Greg Hansford won, as well as his time racing BMW Super Tourers and winning the Bathurst 12-hour for Mazda. Charlie also tackles your National Motor Racing Museum couch racer questions as well. So enough of me, let's barrel into it. Buckle up, it's time to start part two of Charlie O'Brien on the V8 Sleuth podcast, powered by Repco. So 91, you and Brancatelli finished fourth on the road, though, didn't you? And mm. you, you got scrubbed. Why did they scrub you again? What was that all about? Well, there was, two, there was two ring and pinions for the differential. There was a Ford stamp part with the Ford logo on it. Then there was a Ford aftermarket part called Richmond. Same amount of teeth. Same amount of ratio, but it wasn't didn't have the Ford stamp on it. Mm. So um, even though they admitted that, yes, we're very sorry, but you need to um, go away and take a car, and you're out of the race because it was a Richmond gear, not a Ford. And the difference was, I don't know, maybe four hundred bucks difference buying the genuine part to the Richmond. And it, and whatever the prize money was for fourth was clearly more than four hundred bucks worth right. of. It was a long, it's a long time to drive around there and go home with nothing, you know. Mm. Yeah, even if, if it wasn't a trophy, you just go home with the pride of the fact that you you finished and got some sort of result. Mm. And mm. this sort of this day and age, you finish fourth at Bath as your hero. Yeah, yeah, you've done good. That's that's a good day out. You take <laughs> yeah. that. You take yeah. that. Yeah. So the, the Moffat thing carried on for a little bit. So in our world of V8 sleuth, the punters out there, our listeners, our readers, love the Sonovus Falcon. It's this yeah, iconic I, car. I, I mean, it didn't go that well. It but did I read, one race a year. I've read about everyone's – like I don't remember the noise being as good as what you know, the fans It say. seems to have got better every year. Yeah, yeah I know. But uh, no, matter, no matter if it had a sounded like a Ferrari, <laughs> getting passed down the straight by everybody that you might have taken a risk and passed across the top of the hill, it, that didn't have a lot of fun in it because mm. that car was just so slow and – yeah, you know, it was a, it was a budget a budget thing. I remember the time that the uh, the head engineer of the time had organised a, a rental motor from Glen Seaton's at the time, so we had a motor there. But again, it was budget that stuck with the Carburetor from Holman it, it, and well, Woody. There was as there was X amount of dollars to to pay mm. for a motor, and the Seaton mm. motor was going to cost more. So mm. Alan just thought that Lee Holman was you know, <laughs> the hence pants and. And uh, let's get him to build the motor. And like, even at the time when he said this is happening, like everybody in the team, including me, was just shaking their head and walking mm. around, kicking, kicking the doors. You know, mm. 
because <laughs> we knew where it was going to go. There's nowhere. Funny enough, that the, the chassis was 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 magnificent. It really was. It uh, went out to Calder, and I never from the from the workshop setup went out to Calder. I didn't I didn't change a, a toe. I didn't change a spring on it. it was that good? Mm. It's a distinctive car that people would just. Probably had so much subliminal advertising for Synovus over the years because <laughs> people remember it so well. And it did one race a year for about four years, and that was pretty much it. It was the last Alan Moffat racing car, so it's the end of the the Moffat but, chapter. Yeah, yeah. How did you and AM get along? You drove for him for a fair while there. Well, seventies and eighties, I was an absolute dick to him. I'd I'd do things like hit him hit him in the pits. I'd run in, I'd run into him in the pits. With your car? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Just to roll him up? I don't know. Just to wind him up before going out in a Sandown 500. Like, it was, I was just being a dick. And um, and Mick used to come back and say, Charlie, stop doing that. Stop Mick Webb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> stop doing that. For your own safety? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Anyway, but I must admit, I've, I've apologised to him a lot over the over the years. Um, I absolutely adore the old man now, and uh, um, I think we have a pretty special relationship. Uh, with him, so mm. and that's been for the last yeah, 15, 20, 20 years or more. Mm. Looking at the, the rest of the Bathurst's, um, you and Tony were fourth in the B&H car, nearly a podium again there. That was the Larry customer can car. I, can I tell you a little quick uh, one about that? I, you can tell me as many stories as you've got. Now, now this, Go for it. It was only something I surmised at the time, but it wasn't admitted till the following year. Um, the fo- sorry, it wasn't admitted till the 97 year. So 94 was in the Bench and Hedges car. Yep. 97 was the Castro Ford. Yep. I think Tony – did Tony run with Steve Ellery in 95? 96. 96? It was with Wayne Park in 95. Okay. All right. So it was a Castro car from 95 on, right? Correct. Castro Ford. Yep. When he went to Ford. Yep. So eventually I get to drop. Yep. In 97. Yep. 94, I still had my suspicions of what happened on the straightaway coming into the end of the checkered flag. On the straightaway in the 94 race? Yeah. Larry Larry got way past. No, Larry was already in front. Larry was already in front. They were duke While Lowndes and Bauer were trying to win, fight for the win, All right. Larry Maybe it wasn't the last lap. Might have been two Maybe laps Maybe it was before. a bit earlier. Maybe it was two. But it was in the last five laps. Right. Because Larry had built. The, the what, Tony car was a Larry was, car. Wasn't it? Tony let the Castrol car go past because he was getting Castrol sponsorship after Bathurst for the Ford. Whoa. Have you got, have you got proof of this? Are you... Tony, Tony admitted it in 97. Okay. There you go. So, that's all i got to say. All right. There you go. Rest your case, Your Honour. <laughs> um, so, 95, yeah, he goes Castrol, but you were with DJ. You, you went back with DJR, yeah. with, with Stevie yeah. J. Yeah. And we had a good sand down with the Finished. DJR. Third, I think third, it was. Third, I think. Yeah, it was on Father's Day when Dick and JB won, and yeah. you and Steve were third. Yeah. Um. And that was when. Do you remember the the, the tire issue? You remember Dunlop ended up getting some used Bridgestone cases, and Dunlop and Kobe started building a very very good race tire. And then Kobe, is this after the earthquake? Had, yeah, and then Kobe went into the earthquake shut down. Mm. So later that affected tyres because mm. the tyres out, out of Japan from Dunlop weren't coming from the factory that were building the beautiful Bridgestone replicas. 
So that affected that affected the the, the later part of that um, year with the shell turn because we couldn't they couldn't get the the really good Dunlops, mm. and it, it, the car was set up like Ross and Jimmy had the car set up beautifully on those earlier tyres. It was just unbelievable to drive, mm. but it wasn't so unbel- it wasn't so great to drive after. Anyway, that wasn't the problem <clears throat> that I that we had it. What Steve and I had at um, Bathurst. It had a, um, it had some sort of a brake gremlin that the pedal kept going to the floor. Had, it had air in the brakes, so we drove the race most of the race with the pedal going to the floor, knowing that you had to brake here. It was going to slow down at this pace, and you had to use the gears and then toss it into the corner to wash off speed. And mm. that was just a very, very it's, hard race. It's not a fun way to spend a day. At, but it wasn't fun. No. At no. Bathurst, well, punting well, around, hanging on to that. And thing. that was his first, but first. Second one. Second, Second one, one yeah. It? He did it with Gricey the year before. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the next year – Steve was – yeah, Steve – He kind of got overshadowed in that time, didn't he? Because Lowndes was grabbing all the headlines. Yeah. But Steve, Steve was, was doing really Steve, solid Steve was job. was pretty quick. Yeah. He was good. Yeah. Yep. The next year – so 96, you were in the commentary box for Channel 7. You weren't in a car. No. So were you supposed to be in a car somewhere along the line? Because you were doing the two-litre BM that year. Yeah, um, 96. Um, was that supposed to be with Tony again and didn't happen? And no, no, it wasn't. No, I, I, I can't remember why why I wasn't in a V8 car. I know there was a bit of squabbling whether I was going to be in the – remember, wasn't that the year that we had a, a two-litre? A, a support race, yeah. Yeah. But you, didn't, you were doing the series mm. but you didn't drive that one. Mm. Yeah. That was all because of the – that was all because of the, um, you know, I wasn't very welcome in that in the two leader team sense, probably because I was tied up with the New Zealand guys and and. So you mean the the BMW team as opposed to the series? Yeah, the yeah. team. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all another another story. That's I think where I was going with that BOC gases thing. So BOC was a became BO, the series sponsor. But BOC they were was kind of your sponsor. BOC was my sponsors in the NASCARs and. We had talked them into being the sponsor on a two-litre car run out of the Diet Coke workshop, basically it, up there. But the Morris family wasn't too happy about me running in a car out of the workshop. So Calvin O'Reilly was sent in to offer BOC a hundred grand deal for the whole series so that I didn't get the sponsorship. And BOC said yes, which can't blame them. They're going to get a whole series Good and deal. twenty cars for a hundred grand rather than pay three hundred and fifty grand for one car. Mm. So that that sort of fixed that one. Mm. Um, you just mentioned before about NASCAR. We'll go back to a bit of two liter, but our listeners and our readers love Thunderdome, NASCAR, yeah. Oscar. Where did you start in that? And what attracted you? Was it like so many where the prize money that was on offer was it stacked up? To, to run a thing, no, or actually, what was the fa- f- funny enough? Back in the early days, the only thing I had to read was read books on was was NASCAR racing, so Richard Petty and all that sort of stuff. So I had a big belief of and loved NASCAR before it came here. You were way, already, way before already it came, on it, way yeah. before it came here. <clears throat> and when it came here, it was I had to I had to do it. You know, I had to uh, do it. So. I went to a couple of meetings and there was that Terry Labonte car that I bought 
Was it an Oldsmobile or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was, yeah, it was set up and I won the race and so I didn't touch it. I just went out and drove it. And thought, well, yeah. So he, he won with it here he at, won at the, the Dome, the, the Christmas, Christmas race. race. Yep. yep. So then I drove it at the, got it and drove it at one Dome race before coming to Surface for the, because I really wanted to race at Surface. Huh? Which started in 91, didn't it? The Indy race, yeah. Yep. So I did the one race at the Dome and I loved it. Yeah, mm. it was <laughs> it was right up my 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 alley. What did you like about it? Was it the, oh, the, the, just the style of racing, the, the, the track, the, speed, the challenge, the speed, and and yeah, you know, going around the dome doing 180 mile an hour, and you know, the the G's and uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun doing that stuff. Um, would have loved to have done more, you know, overseas, but you can't have a budget to do that over there. Mm. So, did you run that whole thing yourself? From up here, or? Um, I had had um, different sponsors. Yeah, I sort of sold everything, sold my soul on yeah most <laughs> races to try to uh, to get enough money to go. And plus, you had a bit of prize money, so it wasn't that costly to run because you pretty well had it covered with a bit of money and the prize money. You have any standout races that you remember most, or because there were some corking, there were some ringeding races back in that that early nineties period, not just. On the dome, but the Gold Coast, AIR, Oran Park, there was yeah, you know, it became a really great summer series of racing. Yeah, yeah, no, it was super. I know the first meeting at Surfers, I won the Oscar race and NASCAR race, and uh, that's some good cash. <laughs> it was it was a fifty thousand dollar weekend. Oh, twenty five for both, or thirty twenty, or no, I think it was NASCAR 30, be a little bit more than Oscar. 30, thirty, I think it was thirty and twenty. Every lap in under a minute. Every move made to matter. Every decision impacting the outcome of the race. Supercars in Perth. Every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint. May 17 to 19. Book now at Ticketek. Supercars. Unforgettable. So, tell me then, was it the next year that you put Greg in your second car? Well, you were ninety one soon after that. Ninety, I think it was ninety three. We had I had two cars, hmm. and um, he wanted to. He he just kept pestering me for a drive. Okay, so I flew to Melbourne and picked up the transporter and had both cars prepared and and. <laughs> Drove the transporter back up. Greg didn't. You know, he's sitting up here waiting for me to turn up. <laughs> and so I said to him, "Look, you can have. I forget what I said. Like, you can have twenty percent or twenty percent of the prize money." So the first Saturday race I won, he comes second. But bear in mind, he'd never driven the car till Friday. He'd never, he'd never even sat in it. That's impressive. <laughs> And he won, and so I won Saturday, finished second, and then. But was the money on Saturday or money on Sunday? It was on Sunday. Uh huh. And but money was always on Sunday, not on Saturday. So when he when he when we started the race on Sunday morning, we get to the first chicane, and it started absolutely raining as we came to the start finish line to to, to fire it up and get going. We get through the first. Um, First chicane, it was slippery. And then the second chicane, it was like pouring rain. So I'm in there first. So I was a decoy and I looped it in, in front of everyone. And 
so he's kept on going and, and they call a red flag before we got back to the start finish line. But they awarded the prize money. So Greg did like four corners and then coasted around. <laughs> Was the winner, <laughs> the winner in inverted commas. Yeah, winner. So anyway, the next day we're having, we're having coffee the next day and I said, hey, mate, you know, I said oh, you could have 20%. This is like this was just a lovely guy. I just wind, wind him up and we'd muck around. You can have twenty percent, but that's if you did the race. You didn't do the race, so I can't pay the prize money. <laughs> and he, he he looked at me, and the express the expression on his face was just magnificently like you asshole. <laughs> and then I couldn't keep a straight face. I'm only kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else but you though? Oh, I might have pushed on with it, but. No, nice. Um, I have a really great memory of um, you had a BP Visco NASCAR. I reckon that's one of the best looking cars on the dome. Yeah. Uh, was that the year that you fought for the championship? Yeah. Pretty, I think Barry Graham won it yep. that year. Yep. That was that was probably your best year, Thunderdome yeah. was. Yeah, we won in Adelaide and finished up on surface. I think Brad and I had a crash at surface and we ran it. Well, I don't know who ran it who, but I, I got hit up the back, but I'm sure Brad will say I pulled in front of him. But um, anyway, Brad was hanging on the fence with his car all wrecked when I come around the next lap and he's, he's shaking he's shaking his arm at me. And I thought it was that shell lad that was on TV at the time where the, the father and the son were at a go-kart racing and the father's going, go, son, go. I thought Brad was saying, go, Charlie. Well, I think you were saying something else just yeah, quietly while I was saying it. He was, was saying something else. <laughs> that, was, that, was a, that was a funny. Like the surface race were great because, yeah, my whole family were there. <clears throat> they were up in high rises. Very much them. a home race. Yeah. It was a home race and, yeah, driving around the streets of surface where you couldn't wish for more. Mm. Yeah, like when I started at Surface Paradise, <clears throat> I wished it was an international event, you know. Mm. Mm. So to actually get an international event. In my time, it's around the streets of surface was pretty special. Yeah, uh, probably overlooked a lot. Um, and I wanted to talk to you about this because I think it's not been delved into. When our listeners and readers think of Aussies in NASCAR, they instantly probably go Marcus Ambrose for obvious reasons. Yep. Dick had a go, yep. Gricey had a go, Terry Byers had a go. You had a little bit of a go. Tell me about the 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 uh, was it Win- Winston Cup Sonoma. 94 road course that you went out a go? What was the whole story there? I wanted to have a go. Yes, I, I did. I, I, was, I picked up some cars in Charlotte one time and I entered, entered the Coca-Cola race there. And, but you know, I didn't have a crew, so I knew I wasn't going to make the race. And that was when they had like, you know, 60-something cars <laughs> usually try to make 43 spots. It wasn't like today where they kind of no, have 35 for 35. I was part of it. <laughs> yeah, well, why not? It's, a, it's an awesome event. But um, So did you, start, did you take your car over or did you no, go on? No, no, there was a couple of Fords yeah. that I bought over there and bought back. Actually, the, there was two – so I bought two Fords back. One was a was a Robert Yates Texaco car, mm-hmm. which was the Visco car. Yep. And, um, and the other one was a Chad Little car. Um, great story um, after that attempt and everyone's going, well, well he's not going to make it with that motor. <laughs> I was going, going down the straight. It sounded like the Sonovas Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the guys who used to work at the Holman Moody workshop where I was working on the car started there as a floor sweeper was Robert Yates. Wow. 
And who, who, for those who don't know, big time NASCAR team owner, team, the, team owner the Texaco Tex, car, Texaco Davey Irwin, Allison, David, Ernie yeah. Irvin, all that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, and un- unbelievable, like he was just so friendly. And he said, "One day, look," he said, "If I order you the parts, he said you go and pay for them, get them ready, and take them over to Holman's shop, and I'll come over one weekend and I'll build it for you because I can't see you do this again." And sure enough, he did. Wow. He, he he got all the heads machined, um, got all the bits, and he spent the whole weekend there. And I was there with him. <clears throat> he just took a liking to you, or yeah, just the, yeah. like the accent and as well. This was the guys around. Built this motor and, and, and sent it and sent it back out with me with, with those cars. It was an incredible motor. It was unbelievable, and it just unfortunately Australian engine builders couldn't understand how he could build such a motor with such high compression because mm. it had sixteen point eight to one compression. Oof. And so, I mean, got, what was a regular? Oh, fourteens. Yeah. So it got detuned with every rebuild mm. to, to, so it wouldn't blow up. But mm. it didn't blow up in the first five race meetings, so I didn't understand why it needed to be detuned. But anyway, um, yeah, special bloke. Um, since passed away only recently. Mm. So was it Charlotte? You had a go. Uh, no good. Was Sonoma then, the next uh, one? Over no, Christ, Sonoma was, was a little bit later. But see, my stupidity, the guy that was I was competing against at surface when, and, and against Jim all the time and Jim was in a bloody good car and it was a guy from Canada that was that owned Jim's car. Dick Midgley, yep. Yeah. So I did a deal with him to for him to run a car for me at Sonoma. Didn't turn up on time turned up just before the race meeting. I went out there only on the Thursday with the other NASCAR Winston Cup guys and I started the motor up in the pit. This is our unbelievable as I started the motor up in the pit. Now, bear in mind, I've been racing NASCAR at home. I've just had a Robert Yates motor at home, so I know what they sound like mm. and I know what they feel like mm. underneath your foot. I started up. This thing sounded like a road car. It had no it, rumble, no it, grumble. No, no. Just a, it was it was flat, and straight away, I knew straight away. I thought I've been shafted. Even to the point, he didn't even have a crew organised for the weekend because he knew I wouldn't make the race. So the stupid ear paid him the money, only because at that point I was still hoping that I would get somehow involved in NASCAR in America. And at the time I was looking at spending time there because my wife was from Chattanooga. And so I thought that <clears throat> I still wanted to live this little dream. I, I paid the arsehole the money so that he didn't shit can me with NASCAR. But I was set up. Because you needed NASCAR to think, hey, to, this to, guy's all right well, to let him have, come to have and a license, go. To have yeah. a license, you know. So I thought... What a dick! So yeah, that was a that was a waste a waste of time. Well, yeah, it wasted a lot. Um, you know, flew other people over and flew over my engineer, and and it was a lot of time and a lot of effort. It wasn't just the money I paid him, but it was probably a probably a forty forty thousand US thing at the time, and mm. you know, forty grand US throwing it in into the wind was was, was a lot of money back then. Mm. Mm. But you know, y- you can you can be when you're, when you sort of tend to be a little trustworthy, you're going to get taken and you've got to swallow it. Mm. Otherwise, you've got to be harder. Mm. 
that's life. Mm. Um, are you a, I always find asking people who've been racing for a long time, I find they're either hoarders or they don't have anything. Where are you on the scale of what you've kept over the years? Is there anything if cool I was a, you have If I was a hoarder, I'd have a racing, I'd have at least one of my old race cars. Which one would you have if you could have any of them? Well, I don't think the Group A cars. I'd probably say one of the A9Xs. Mm, that's hard to go past. Um, one of the A9Xs. Maybe even maybe even the last car they drove at Bathurst wouldn't be so bad. I think it's sitting down in Melbourne. The Castrol car. Mm. Yeah, it's around. I know a guy with a website. He kind of knows about this. Yeah, things, yeah, yeah so. exactly. Yeah. I'll <laughs> ring him when I want it. <laughs> you, you, you keep that in, like trophies, helmets, suits, or are you a bit of a uh, whatever. It was all in the past. Oh no, no. I like. I like to. I've kept all that. I've, I've mm. got a, 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 a nice little trophy cabinet at home. Um, yeah, no, they were all pretty special. A lot of the stuff in the in the two liter days, Lyle took back to New Zealand and. Uh, I thought that I actually rented the car <laughs> from him and, and I figured that if I rented the car, the trophy should be mine, but that wasn't the way Lyle worked. <laughs> <laughs> Lyle Williamson, the Kiwi who yeah, ran the, the ran BMW the, ran team the BMW here team, yeah. in Australia. Hey, Super Tourers, uh, at the time it was kind of the, you know, the V8s were the dominant thing, but history should show that what a great era that was because the – Talk to me about those cars to drive. I mean, you drove those BMWs, the rear-wheel drive, 300-odd horsepower. You know, just really, from the outside, look like really great cars to drive. Well, one, though, obviously compared to a, a V8 car, they were more like a former Atlantic car. You mm. had to keep momentum up you know, um, as a more so than anything else, you know, because they didn't have a lot of power and no, they still weighed a 1,000 kilos, so... They were slow to get going, but yeah, they, they're amazing of how how good they were around corners under brakes. Mm. Um, one one time I, when I drove an NASCAR and a, a Super Tourer at surface, and I jumped from one on the grid to the other. Oops! <clears throat> I nearly spat myself through the windscreen when I, <laughs> when I went down to the first corner. <laughs> so big big difference to drive the two. Um, yeah, I, I love the Super Tourer, um, and hence I more recently in. When was it? Probably um, 2019. I drove a, a Nissan Super Tourer. Um, it was in New Zealand, wasn't in, it? In New Zealand, yeah. And I, and as you know, I've never driven a front-wheel drive car because I figured if it caught Greg out, I didn't want to be in that situation. But being a, more of a historic race, I figured that it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be that, um, yeah, you wouldn't wouldn't be that hard to get used to it and 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 have time, and it's you're not on the limit, so. I had to drive it and loved it from the moment I, I sat my bum on it. It was just so responsive and it was, again, it was like a single-seat car, the, the way they handle 900 and something kilos. That era of super tourists, I mean, they they blew themselves out of the water because in the UK they started spending millions and millions of pounds and it all yeah. sort of imploded in the end. But yep. speaking of deals, I like deal stories. Yeah. <laughs> You've told me this one before, but we've got to tell it for, for those who haven't heard it. You talked about the Gold Coast, Supertura, the Virgin deal, the Cola deal. Oh, okay. Yeah. People might not know this one, but there was, I think it was 96, two litres on the Gold Coast. <clears throat> you're in one of those BMWs. You had a wind, didn't you? You were right among it. Mm. And you've got Virgin Cola 
on your car. It well, all looks fantastic. It, it goes a little bit further back because that car was owned by BMW New Zealand, but it was sitting at um, Frank Gardner and up at the Diet Coke workshop and it was been sitting there for months. When I wanted to race it at the surface, Lyle organised for it to be released and New Zealand paid for it and whatever. So nobody knew what sponsor we had because we didn't know at that time when we were going to go to the races. But I know that first practice session was Thursday and we didn't get our hands in the car until late on Wednesday because that would limit Charlie doing any practice in it and therefore I wouldn't be quite as fast in it. So I end up, I end up getting 20 minutes at Lakeside before the track shut because first time I drove sequential. So we went to the track and we turned up with Virgin Coal on it. Well, apparently that was an insult to the Morris family. Who have diet who coke diet on their coke. car. So a letter, got, a letter got sent immediately as we turned up from surface from Terry to BMW, uh, BMW Europe and the letter came back via BMW Europe to BMW New Zealand to Lyle Williamson's briefcase in the surface pits all within an hour. This is before emails really cranking too, yeah, so the yeah. faxes are flying. Yeah. So, yeah, they, nobody was very happy about us being there as opposition and particularly with a virgin colour on it. But it was fun, you know. Like, why, everyone should have been look, looking at that as, as, as good, healthy competition. They didn't. <laughs> so uh, it was suggested that BMW should revoke my entry because I had a personal vendetta against the owners of the other team. And this was all in black and white. I think I actually still had the letter. <laughs> <laughs> so we um, uh, – it, it, it was a bit of a no-brainer no at the time. Those little cars ran a lot of camber. Surface Paradise has got – has got – all that camber built into the road, so I just did all stood all the tyres up, so there was more tyre on the road, and then we were and we were about to be charged with having traction control because I could get off the line and leave the diet coat cars standing behind me. It was just because I had more rubber on the road, mm. so uh, it, it was fun. And the way the race t- sort of turned out, I think Brad Brad had a fire up in his Audi, and yeah, he belted in the fence hard. Yeah, yeah, it was a big a big hit, and then. Jeff had a spin trying to overtake me down the back straight, and so I end up sort of winning the weekend. So, and what about the cola deal, though? Well, we didn't get money for it. Richard Branson was releasing this diet cola in in Australia, and his manager here said, "Look, we haven't got any money." And Richard likes actually spending money on his own on his own gimmicks, <laughs> so he doesn't like spending cash. But if you want, we'll, we can give you the equivalent of twenty five thousand dollars in in um, in cola. So my mate Mark Mitchell who organised the deal, he had a workshop in town but it's a, it's a workshop full of cars, air conditioning and all that sort of stuff. But then a semi-trailer backs in and forklifts off a half a semi-trailer load of, <laughs> of virgin cola in the middle of his workshop. Which I guess the logical thought there is though, 25,000 cans times oh, no, how many dollars per can, <laughs> you'd be thinking... There's more of that, but then we had to go and sell it. Yeah, to all the so that's the next issue to the, all the, old, the local supermarket. So it wasn't an easy deal, but we got the job done and won the weekend. 
Contra cash. Contra cash. Deals are deals. I love motor racing deals. Um, Mazda, 12-hour. You you won the RX-7s when they came along. You won it the first year that they... They yeah, again, it. again, that was uh, Greg, because Greg and Alan Horsley were best mates from the Oran Park mm. motorbike days. And Horsley had been Moffat's team yeah, manager yeah, and Greg yeah. had driven for Moffat. Yeah, so, so it's all a little small world, <laughs> isn't it, when it all clicks world. together when you do the whiteboard of who's linked to who and where. So I remember, remember being asked he wanted to drive, so I went to um, Eastern Creek and did a test one day, but something happened. They had, uh, I don't know, they didn't want to go fast in the street, so they had witches' hats halfway down the hats and it making S-bends and... But anyway, they were, they were good little cars. Um, the, I don't know whether Barry Jones came into the second year or not with the BP when they were BP colour. Mm. But um, look, the first the first year, um, it's a matter of yeah. It was the twelve hours, quite a new sort of event. Mm. It was only the second year. Yes, yeah. yeah. But they were the clue of the gun. Oh, cars they, for yeah. sure. Yeah, they were so so well balanced. And um, I remember as you get I don't know, about another 15 kilometres an hour in the, at four o'clock in the morning because the turbochargers <laughs> work better. All that cool air pumping in. And Do you consider it's not, you know, the Bathurst you tried to win for many years in October, it's not that race, but it's a Bathurst and because it's built its own history over the years in the GT era, and I spoke to Crompton about this because he won it a couple of years mm, later, yeah. that... He was always a bit, oh, it's a, yeah, like it's a, it's a Bathurst win, but it's not. But because that race has carried on and it's got a quite a cachet and an international audience now, and he's actually something that he's got. No, I'm actually proud of that. That's a really cool <laughs> thing, like to have on the resume. That's that's a cool thing. Do you, do you feel the same way? Oh, for sure. Well, you don't knock back um, a, a trophy win at Bathurst. It's it's a, it's a trophy win, you know. Like it's, it's it was still a twelve hour race, and and you put the effort in to to do it. Mm. I must remember um, the uh, the first year Greg was driving the second car. Because you were with Walden and Gibbs, I think yeah, I remember, yeah. weren't you? So Greg was in the other car, but he and I started the race. Oh. <laughs> and, and Horsley, Alan Horsley said, now listen, you two idiots, you are not going to race each other, Okay. So I'm going to put a stop that right now. So this is what's going to happen. Whoever gets to the first corner will lead the race to the first pit stop. <laughs> so driving, driving, driving around the warm-up lap. I'm trying to work out how I'm going to get the first corner with an advantage. So as we come around, had electric windows in the car, everything else. He had his window down. We're waiting for the, for the lights. And I've turned the radio on full blast and started yelling at him through the window as he, and took his attention the way as, as the red light went out. Gone. And did you lead to turn away? Yeah. Yeah. Did you lead to the pit stop? Yeah. Oh, so you were good boys. You actually yeah. listened to, our, to yeah. Alan yeah. Pretty, for once. Pretty funny. <laughs> Australian Muscle Car Magazine is one of the most respected voices in motoring media. There's been over 140 issues and thousands of stories published in the last 22 years. From the amazing muscle car machines of the past to the present and the stars that steered and built them, AMC has something for everyone. Delve into the heritage of homegrown high performance now at musclecarmag.com.au. Over the, the journey too, I, I mean, I think 
you've raced so many different things. It's sort of hard to jam it all in, but racing's like, you know, we're sitting by the water here. It's kind of, it's like a fishing rod with a hook on it and you go away and do something else. You're busy with work, business, other things and uh, a bit disillusioned or whatever it might be. And this motor racing thing, it just keeps dragging you, dragging you back. Well, you had you had to work because you couldn't, like, you didn't have Marlborough as a sponsor. You didn't, you, know, you, you didn't have a major sponsor. So, you know, hence the reason why I've never done full championships. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was um, would have liked to, mm. but you, you knew you were having fun doing what you're doing, and you know, you you either stop doing it altogether or happy with doing what you're doing. You know? mm. So, Carrera Cup got your interest. Because yeah, well, you've been out of it for a little yeah, while. I'd, I'd been out of it for so long and I went to a Carrera Cup race or a race meeting and got I sort of always know that when I have a long time off and I go to a race meeting I should not go I should not go, you know. <laughs> and that was a typical example. Mm. But at that time it was a it was it was a time in life where a few struggles going through personally and, and I needed to a, a pick me up mm. and racing a Carrera Cup was the pick me up. Mm. So, so I did a couple here and then, but I had a lot of fun in New Zealand because, as you know, like I, I love racing in New Zealand mm. <clears throat> back in the Atlantic days and Pacific days. So, um, in 205 Melbourne Grand Prix, I think it was the last, I think I sold the car after that. Because mm. you did do a, a, a V8 uh, Sandown, wasn't it? Sandown 500, the WPS. Yeah, but, you know, should never, should never have done that because. But you know the young kid that should have been driving that car, um, is um, Neil McFadden. Neil, yeah, mm. he should have been in the car. Like, you know, he was a quick, a quick driver, and it was just the team, the team owner at the time. Once he, once he got it in his in his head that this was the way I want it, you couldn't change it. Mm. And um, so that was, that was that was quite a sad day for me. Actually mm. driving that car because I'd never sat my bum on the car. I sat in Besnard's seat position. Look, look at the two, the the difference between the doors. Yeah. So I couldn't. I was in cramps, as um, aches. That's just disgusting. And the and the young kid was never seen again because he got flicked at the last minute mm. for no fault of his own. And that's your. So you just. You did it because you got asked, and you thought, oh, "All right," or pressured oh, because into it. Or? He, because I was getting, he was giving me money to race the Porsche, and mm. I was there racing the Porsche that weekend. He said, "You're going to, you're going to drive the car." And I said, well, "But I've got to race the Porsche tomorrow." He said, "Well, you're not racing the Porsche tomorrow." Like at that page, at that stage, I hadn't got my money for that weekend, so I'm not going to go and mm. buck too much. Mm. And it didn't matter. Like if I didn't get in the car, he's going to get somebody because. He had made his mind up that, mm. that Neil wasn't getting the car, but <laughs> Neil had never had any practice in the car until he got the sand down. Mm. So it's just a dumb way of running a team. Mm. Utes. That, so another couple of years, yeah, how did the Utes you know, get you? Remember, you remember when Alan Grice raced a Ute with a, with a fake dog in the back? That was at the 92-12 hour that I, he did that first Akubra okay. Ute. Well, when I saw that, I said to myself, watching on TV, I'm never going to fucking do that. <laughs> well, he, he did the 12 hour U1. He and Bradley drove that Akubra Ute in the mm. class. And then 10 years later, here he is banging around in the Utes with the pro car <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And 
How, how did you get but sucked into I don't YouTube? Know. I, I don't know because I, I just think certain things, even though they were a fan favourite, I just think some things shouldn't be raced. And crew cab utes, Hilux and stuff, are definitely on that list. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I said before, it's like this fishing rod and you just, uh, oh, no. it's like you get exposed to it, you get a little sniff, oh, all right, here well, we go. Did, did you did, have fun in the utes? Because you, you were bloody competitive. Yeah, once you got in the car and you couldn't see what it looked like, <laughs> you just you just drove it as hard as you could. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense, makes sense. So you did that for a, a, a while, a couple of years. A couple of years, it? yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then you, you said about doing the Super Tour thing in New Zealand. You spent a fair bit of time in, in New Zealand. but I'd like to do more historic. Yeah. Um, the Super Tour is a great category. There's a lot of, a lot of them over there. It, there are far more of them there. There's bugger all of them here. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some good old tracks and some good new tracks. And um, shame Pukekohe's been closed now. Mm. That's certainly yeah, sad for some of us oldies. You're not that old. Come on. How old are you these days? <laughs> uh, look, with, with or without GST? <laughs> look, it's not, this is not the John Bauer no. question now. Like, come on. Like, you know. <laughs> I'm younger than John. Uh, well, you, you get your birth certificate out, we'll, we'll trade off. But he won't get his out, so you no, win anyway. No, so no, you no, win I'd, anyway. I'd win that argument. <laughs> Sorry, John. <laughs> You've been to some historic stuff. You've seen some of your old cars kicking around here and there. So you're up for a little bit of a burn <clears throat> in a historic somewhere to wave um, to some crowds. And, I had, you know? had great fun at the uh, 220 uh, Phillip Island Classics. Um, what did you drive down there? Uh, well, it was the old bumper-to-bumper, BM, the first bumper-to-bumper BMW. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, Robert had asked if I wanted to drive the car. He'd bought it, bought it, um, and wasn't in great condition, and gave it to Les Laidlaw up mm. at Stones. And it's a year and a half, maybe putting it together. But when I drove the car, of course, it was <laughs> a damn lot better than the last time I drove it at the Wellington Street Race. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just brought back memories. And I'll tell you one thing though is, is how heavy it was in the steering. Because obviously back then, you know, all the weights and weight lifting you did helped you because there's no way in the world, you know, you could do more than 15 laps at Phillip Island the way it is at the moment. Mm. So um, it must have been a lot stronger back in the early days. Well, it's different when you're doing it all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. your thing. What are you doing with yourself now? I know a lot of people ask us about drivers from the past and what are you doing, you know, not so much motor racing, but what's keeping you busy these days? Um, I've got a little um, a regional shopping centre not far from where we are here. So buying and selling, doing some renovating, sell some property, although lately I haven't been selling much, I've been hoarding it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I've been quite fortunate to uh, to buy some good places and flick them on and stuff. Mm, mm. Racing, going to see at a track, a historic event, you got something coming up, you're going to go and have a look at well, it? I haven't. I haven't chased it. I've got some friends that race TCR over in New Zealand. Um, I'd certainly like to do some more of the Archibalds historic mm. racing. Which is the historic touring cars in NZ where they have yep. Group A and Group. Super Tourers and yep. a bit of all sorts. It's yep. cool. There's some good stuff there. Yeah, I just – I think it's because the country's so small. It's fun getting around. It's, it's a great country. It's fun going from place to place. Um, and I've been doing it since the 80s. Mm. Um, have a lot of friends over there. Uh, enjoy it immensely to, to get back 
into racing over there. I live part-time now in Queenstown, um, so that's nice and handy to to Quinny's track up at Cromwell. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I'm probably, well, apart from COVID, but my plan was to spend six months a year over in Queenstown and six months on the Gold Coast. Queensland, Queenstown, Queensland, yeah. Queenstown. <laughs> Queen somewhere. You've got to be somewhere. Hey, I've got a couple of National Motor Racing Museum couch racer questions. The museum's mm-hmm. up at Mount Panorama. It's got some really cool cars and memorabilia. You know how funny? I, I've not been in there. It, hang on. What? I have not been in the museum. I was, going to go in, I was going to go in there last year. I went down to the six hour last year and um, was supposed to go in and just got tied up a bit of Anyway, next, next trip, the next time you're going. there, I want you to go in. Brad Owen and his team there will look after you and take you for a wander around and have a look at some of the cool stuff that's there because yep. there's yep. there's always some interesting stuff that's coming or going and yep. probably some things that you might recognise from over the years that you yeah. either raced or race against or racing against, yep. shoved into a sand trap somewhere. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, little one here from Chris Williams. Um, what's your favourite car that you've had as a daily driver as opposed to race car? Mm. Current car, I assume we're not. All, we're not. Oh, talking. any any roadie it's, from it's over hard, the years. It's hard to compare driving around the streets in a in an L thirty four as opposed to driving around in a yeah. My current car is a is a twin turbo V eight Touareg. Mm. Um, it's a bit hard to compare uh, that, but I would say, well, tell you what, I'd have to say the Touareg because it's the longest car I've ever owned. <laughs> <laughs> Tend to it's, it's, work it's your way through it. You swap around a bit. Yeah. So, um, but I'm due for a new car soon. So I'm mulling out of what to um, what to have. Well, you got a few ideas in mind, or yeah. Queenstown, I've got a a, a, a Ford um, Wild Track. Mm. So that's an idea of car for over there. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. I certainly like the look of the new Raptor. Mm. Stands but out. But then. Then I see I've got two boys and they they like you know, one's living in America but he's coming back, the other one's in Sydney. He's certainly got the bug. <clears throat> but um Car yeah. bug, just cars or yeah, racing. Yeah, yeah, or? Car, yeah, the, yeah. Clay in Sydney, he he loves the uh, he loves cars. And he's the one that will work on cars and yeah, do his own work on them. But uh so when the other one comes back from New York uh, to live um, back in Australia, it'd be nice to have some sort of a track car that we could, both three of us could go out and have fun in. Mm. So I don't know. I might uh, I might buy something that's fast and fun to be able to go out the track once a month and have fun with the boys. Why not? Why not? Uh, Victor Petruno's question. It's another favourite car question. It seems to be a theme in what people have asked. Favourite car that you've raced. Favourite car raced. Um, Would have to be the, the the Pacifics because they're purpose just, built, just race car, perfect, pure. Yeah, back in the early eighties, you you know, you're going around Lakeside in fifty second laps on <laughs> tyres, which you know, you imagine if you put current tyres on them, uh, you know, how quick they'd go around a, around a track. So yeah, for sure, um, Pacific cars. Mm. Yep, it's hard to beat. Um, Three Rooms Raceway on Instagram. Don't ask me his real name. Uh, did you prefer oval or road course racing? Sounds like you really fell in love with the oval stuff. You know, a lot of people ask me over time what's harder to do. <clears throat> there, 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 there's not an answer to that. Like, 
I think if you're racing on an oval and you're three wide and you're doing 170 miles an hour, and one thing, even though the car was quite slow at Charlotte <clears throat> when I was over there, you're going down the straight and you're doing a reasonable sort of speed, you know, close to 200 mile an hour, and your brain is not saying, that's okay, that bit of black stuff up the end that's 90 degrees left. You've got little tyres on the inside, big tyres on the outside, you know, you've got softer springs on the inside, harder springs on the outside. Your brain's not telling you all the reasons why the car should go left. It's telling you all the ones that, why it won't. It's just telling you you've got a piece of black stuff that's going 90 degrees left. <laughs> so it's an interesting question you ask. I, I don't know. It's, I'd, you would have to say to, to, to do a, a lap at Bathurst, that's got to be more difficult, I guess, for sure. But not taking away what those guys are doing over there every weekend, racing three and four wide at 200 mile an hour. Mm. But that was so much – the oval thing too is about car so much more. If it's no good, yeah. it's it's no good. No good. It's That's real right. bad. That's right. So yeah. guys will just go, I'm actually going to withdraw from this race because <laughs> we can't make that car any better and otherwise I'm going <clears> to <throat> crash it because if it's bad, yeah. it stays yeah. bad generally. Yeah. So to answer the question, I would think you'd have to certainly go back to racing, saying circuit racing um, because, you know, you're mm. racing at night time, you're racing in the wet. You're racing in intermediate conditions. You're racing in slippery, slimy conditions, whereas NASCAR racing, you're racing in the dry. That's mm. it, full stop. Mm. They finally manned up there after a while and got some wet tyres for the road course races. But yeah, I think we did that here first before yeah. they even did yeah. actually. So, and, and and the other thing we got here first, which I read something the other day after the bend, um, talking about warning lights in cars. I'm sorry, but we actually did that in NASCAR racing in the early 90s and I've never understood and where it would particularly work well is at Bathurst and Blind Corners. Mm. The current supercar dash has the capability, has it in it. It's a case of probably needs to be mandated and it may have been by the time this chat is published that it it, it's blindingly yellow and it just pops up and you can't not notice it rather than hiding it away on the corner of the dash or you know the the electronic readout. So, no, oh, that's that's. I reckon that was one of the greatest inventions, having a, a yellow warning light in mm. an Asker, mm. because s- sitting on the inside and the banking's so steep, you can't see through the corner. Mm. You only see the little bit in front of you. So, having a warning light so you could actually see a car, that's that's a that's a good deal, and I think it should be adopted in mm. in the uh, supercars. Mm. You follow the sport. These, I mean, even before we turned the mics on, we were talking about. Formula One stuff and bits and pieces. You were you an ardent follower of, of yeah, all the stuff I'm, going I, on. I certainly watch Formula One. I don't I don't miss that. Um, particularly over the last few years. Been good, hasn't it? Um, I think I think last year, even though it might be hard for some for some drivers to accept what happened or some people to accept what happened, but I think last year put Formula One more on the map than any other Formula One year that I can remember. Mm. Um, because of the controversy, mm. and um, so. I think the the big crowds these days has not only got Netflix and stuff to attribute to the big crowds. I think it has a lot to do with the way the last year finished. Mm. You couldn't write that script. No, like, no, no way. No way. <laughs> no, not well, even half of that. Even before the race started, you couldn't write it. No, I was nearly asleep on the couch <laughs> because she was looking all over there until a couple yeah. laps to go, and yeah. suddenly it was on, and suddenly it was over, and it didn't finish how I thought it was going to finish. But it's so. kept people talking for a year. Or close to you. Controversy creates 
Interest. headlines, yeah. interest. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you'll ever see anything to that sort of level. No, probably not, which is a bit of a shame, really. <laughs> <laughs> you keep an eye on the supercars, Bathurst yeah. every year, tune in yeah. for that? Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't sit there and, and watch yeah, all six and a half hours of it, but certainly um, I'll, I'll be around the, around the TV. Mm. Um, no, I, I enjoy watching... Watching it all for sure. Mm. Mate, great to catch up. Covered a fair bit of ground here over the journey of cars and categories and people and stuff. Um, thanks for sitting down with me. Really appreciate it. I hope absolute, you enjoyed it. Absolute pleasure um, to um, to chat about it, bring back the memories, and um, but uh, I've enjoyed every single bit of it and uh, I wouldn't change my life for it. And that, everybody, is that. The V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Repco is done. Thank you to Charlie O'Brien. For his time sitting down and chatting, I thoroughly enjoyed. I could have gone for hours chatting with Charlie. Uh, It was great to catch up with him. We're going to roll the podcast, though, back into the garage. We have just completed our fourth season. Can you believe it? We started this podcast back in 2019, and here we are at the end of 22, rolling in after four years and over 250 episodes now. It's been another huge year of chats. It's taken me... Well, pretty much all over the place, around Victoria, interstate, people into the office here. It's been a really enjoyable experience working on these pods. It's one of the things we get asked about most at V8 Sleuth about who we're going to have on in future episodes, the chats that we've had with people before. Uh, We get so much feedback from the listeners and from our V8 Sleuth followers on social media. So thank you very much, everybody, for engaging. I hope you enjoyed them all and that they've entertained, informed, educated, and help pass the time, all in equal measure for you during the course of the year. Firstly, I just want to thank a few people. I want to thank our guests. They've made their time. They've opened up their homes, their workshops, or they've spent the time to come here to us at V8 Sleuth headquarters to sit down for a chat. In 2022, how's this for a guest list? Terry Wyhoon, Brad Jones, Paul Wally Weissel, John Bow, Charlie Schwerkold, James Davison, Cam Waters, Gary Scott, Nathan Pretty, Sven Burkhart, Mark Howard, David Hassel, Bruce Stewart, Craig Baird, Roland Dane, Anton Di Pasquale, Craig Lowndes, Mark Larkham, Steve Valerie, Adam Macro, Craig Denyer and Charlie O'Brien, as well as classic car episodes, features on categories including Nations Cups and Bathurst 1000 Race Week specials, our season and Bathurst previews and all of the Repco Supercars weekly apps as well. I think you'll agree that's been a pretty big 2022. If you haven't heard all of those episodes and you heard a few names there and thought, hmm, must have missed that one, go back and have a listen to them over the course of summer. There's some great chats there that you really need to get to. Thanks to our whole team as well. My co-host Will Dale, who does so much behind the scenes, and our producer AJ Hawkins. He brings together all of the audio as well. Thank you, gents, for your work this year. Many thanks too to Mitch Wiley and the team at Repco for their ongoing support again in 2022 and all of our advertising partners. It's because of them we can bring this podcast to you. And you know what? You don't have to pay a dollar. You're just committing your time to us and not your wallet, which is also great. So thank you to all those partners who allow us to do what we do. But thank you above all others to you, the listeners of the V8 Sleuth podcast. You're the backbone of the sport. You're the backbone of what we do at V8 Sleuth. Thank you so much for supporting 
everything we do. Now, we're going to take a longer break than normal in 2023. This podcast is going to go on summer holidays for a little longer. It will be back, though, in February 2023. In the meantime, the Castrol Motorsport News podcast with AVL and Steph is back in mid-January. But we're going to take a little bit of a longer break for VH Sleuth. We're going to just arm up. We'll get some more chats in the bank, take a little bit of a rest, and we'll be rolling back into Season 5 next year. Have a safe, relaxing Christmas. I'll be back in 2023 with plenty more episodes of the V8 Salute podcast. Thanks for listening. Chat to you next year. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out.